0: From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy
1: Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a small or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. Well, folks, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Superpower School podcast. I'm your host, Paddy Dander, and I am continuing my conversation with the legend himself of productivity, Eric Fisher. Hey, Eric, how Hello. are you doing? I am good.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, you're welcome, my friend. So, today's topic is how to create good habits. Now, I think for a lot of us, we have best intentions about doing new things, maybe learning a new skill, maybe going to the gym, whatever that thing might be. But after That initial excitement, if you're like me, you end up then getting distracted and doing other things instead, and you never actually fulfill your obligation. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there that have that same situation. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on how can we build better habits?
0: Well, habits is a thing that's just tricky for a lot of people. And, you know, obviously the big book that's about habits that's been out since I believe it was 2019, is James Clear's Atomic Habits. And we can definitely talk about that. But I think the key when it comes to habits is starting small, picking something small, and being consistent with it, whatever consistency means for you, whether that's once a week. This is actually a new term, a new kind of, again, wrench thrown into the whole mix of things that Laura Vanderkam recently threw. Is like, well, what's consistency look like for you? And I thought, wait, what do you mean? And she's like, well, three times a week can be consistent. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to question you on that. Is that true? And she's like, well, here's the thing. If you were doing it zero times a week or one time a week, is that enough? And I'm like, well, zero is obviously not enough. You're trying to build a habit, Zeroes is not enough. But it depends on what the thing is. It depends on what the habit is. So is it something that you do only once a week? Well, then if you do it once a week, you're 100% consistent. If it's something that you want to be doing daily, but you can't get yourself up to that point, then what's that least, what's that, it's a medical term, what is it, minimum viable dose, I think might be the proper term, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, you don't need five Advil, you need two. You know, you need two ibuprofens, you don't need five. And so it's like, okay, well, what's that minimum viable dose? Well, if it's three and you know which day's Are going to be the three days and you're consistent, then you can build up. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's, it's almost like psychologically and emotionally and everything, you know, bolstering yourself, creating momentum, giving, building up your confidence to be able to make more changes beyond just small things. So again, I say start small. I say define your consistency. And I would say you've got to figure out how to incorporate it. It, you've got to figure out how to incorporate it into your daily routine as part of that momentum.
1: Oh, I love that. I had a guest on around Christmas time, a lady called Dr. Kamal Hoti. She's, she's a sort of an inspirational speaker here in the UK. And we were talking about purpose and purpose is this big, scary thing, I think, for a lot of us. Like when people say, what is your purpose? You think, oh my God, I've got to go deep here. I've got to think about like the meaning of life and everything. But she put it really nicely, and it reminded me of that conversation when you said there about breaking things down. She said, your purpose doesn't need to be your full purpose of your whole life. Like, think about your purpose for the next hour. Think about it for the for this day. Think about it for this week. Like, when we start to think about things in a shorter time horizon, we can focus much easier, and it becomes... I guess easier for the brain to comprehend that rather than saying, well, what's my purpose for the next, I don't know, 60 years or whatever the lifespan is now of the average human being. So, so it kind of reminded me of that when you said that, because often we think I've got to build a habit and it feels scary because it's so big.
0: Yeah. I was even just this morning talking to my wife about this, where I said, Hey, uh, tomorrow, Saturday afternoon, there's some time, let's sit down and let's look over this thing we're wanting to do. And basically it's a course that she purchased months ago about eating healthy and she really wants to do it. And I want to do it too. We want to implement it into our lives, but it's this big, vague, amorphous type of project slash, you know, want to do know we need to do, but like without us actually setting aside the time, and looking it over to identify like, oh, because this has happened many times with like my daughter with her homework. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I have so much homework to do. And then she gets sits down and is like, oh, for this one class, I just have this one sheet to do. And I'm like, if you had just looked at it and assessed it and seen what it was, you would have known it was going to take you half hour to do instead of not knowing and ballooning it into a three hour thing instead of a 30 minute thing. And because you did that, you lost time, you lost focus, you lost energy, you stressed yourself out and you procrastinated on it. And so it's kind of that jump in quickly, see what it is kind of like with your purpose. You don't need to know what your purpose is. Macro level, look at the micro and say, what is this? So we're going to look at this course tomorrow on Saturday we're recording this on a Friday, tomorrow afternoon on Saturday, we're going to sit down and we're going to look at it. And I you know, hope to get a good amount of clarity on, oh, well, going through the videos is going to take this much time, implementing the such and such is going to take this much time. And see, I'm even like vaguely talking about it because I don't really know what all's in it. I know there's videos. I know there's different things we need to put in place, but like without sitting down and spending some time to really assess and figure out what that timeline of implementing it looks like and what that's going to take it is this big vague project we keep procrastinating on
1: i can relate to that as well i think i went on a coaching course a while back and it just seemed really scary because it went there's this many hours of coaching practice there's this many hours of you doing role plays there's this much assignment work and it was just so so big and scary so i absolutely get that if i can relate building habits to your podcasting then Eric because that's something that I think as an outsider looking in you've built a hell of a habit there because you know 450 episodes in over a 10-year period like you must have built some habits could you take us through some of your journey there and your mindset and like how do you stay focused and consistent with that
0: So let me start with like what I talked about with the process. So for me, coming out with one episode a week is what I call consistent. It's for me and my own podcast listening habits. That's typically what I want from another show. So that's what I provide for my listeners. And I know there are some that'll say, well, there are other shows that do like one normal show and then one shorter one. And I'm like, maybe we'll get there, but I'm not committing to that just yet. And actually, I'd prefer to make that more of a Patreon thing instead. So we'll see, but pause on that. That's not a thing for now. For now, and what has been, you know, in the early days, consistency wasn't really there. Honestly, there were times where I would do three months of a show every week. And then there was like a month or two where it was like, I'd have, let's see, if we had eight weeks in two months, I would say we had four or five episodes come out in that two months while I was trying to catch my breath and regroup and. Oh my gosh, I'm so busy at home, at work, et cetera, to fit this in. So it kind of said, okay, that w- and that's what forced me. It was like, okay, you've got to figure out how to be consistent because one, you feel guilty when you don't have one. Two, people send messages, hey, when's your new, when's your next episode coming out? And all those kinds of things, which is great to have, by the way. That's a great problem to have. People want your content, right? Yeah. So it took batch processing and getting it into a workflow and saying and acknowledging that especially when I started remote working from home, which was, let's see, this the show started in 2012. In 2014, I became a full-time remote worker. Yes, you know, eight years ahead of everybody else or how six and a half years about of everybody else having to. But that said, I had to figure out, okay, well, here's the thing. People are home from school for a middle chunk of the year in the summer. How do you record? How do you make that happen? And so it took analyzing and batch processing and creating certain calendars and saying, I'm going to go on a recording blitz this week and get three or four shows recorded. And that's a whole month. And then the next week only do like one and then, you know, just to try to get like one a week, but like build up those margins, have more on deck, have more recorded that are ready to go and or being worked on. And then one of the other key pieces was as I was able to, (laughs) at some point here and I waited too long to do it but shift the editing over to somebody that's trusted versus me if I'm the one doing all the editing then I'm the bottleneck so it was definitely seasonally adjusting things batch processing and batch recording and then adding in an editor to the mix about a year and a half ago
1: oh that's really interesting because I up until Christmas was doing the two episodes a week and Although I've managed to fulfill it, it absolutely killed me because like you say there, it was a case of doing all of these things by myself, doing the scheduling, the obviously the recording, then the editing, and then the publishing, all of that stuff. I've just this week actually started to reach out to some potential help to do the editing. And then I just thought about it and I thought, oh wow, if I could just offload all of that stuff. How much time does that give me? And if I can then just focus on creating great content, then I'd be in such a better space mentally as well, rather than thinking, I've got all these episodes here stacked up and I need to get them edited. And I'm, you know, sometimes you're in the mood, sometimes you're not. And it it can be very, um, I think, uh, hit and miss with saying, well, I'll definitely edit at least two episodes a week. It just doesn't happen sometimes because you're just not in the right mood. And then my wife normally, isn't so happy when I'm sat there with the laptop at night in bed that's a we know as well so so yeah having that help i think really does help but then what keeps you going like you mentioned it's a side hustle to me before so clearly money isn't the thing that's driving you so so what is the thing it that helps. keeps you it, it helps, helps right it helps
0: <laughs> it can definitely i mean as i said before it grows over time and that's good for me it's just i realize talking about productivity but also just having conversations like one of the things that I would love to do is branch out and create other shows with other with even like co-hosts that are knowledgeable Mm -hmm. and have it whether it's weekly or a seasonal thing where we create a focused season of 10 to 12 episodes and do say one season every two quarters so in a year you'd and you'd spend more time on these it'd be more polished professional designed engineered sound engineered and all that kind of good stuff that stuff intrigues me. So it's the path, not, the, not just the path, but the passion of actually podcasting itself that, that pushes me along and it is en- encouraging.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great to hear because I was trying to think about what's driving me at the moment. And I think one of the things I really struggle with at times is reading lots of books because I get distracted or I just don't have the patience sometimes. and. Before we continue, here's a quick word about the sponsors of this show. So your execs have decided to go through a big transformation to change your ways of working. They've restructured the teams, invested in new tools and techniques, but there's one small problem. How do we measure our improvement consistently across the organization without falling into the trap of relying on what we call vanity metrics? Yup, those KPIs that look great on paper, but just aren't very useful. I want to introduce you to Comparative Agility. It's the world's largest continuous improvement platform. They've gathered over 4 million data points from thousands of organizations so that you can benchmark your maturity against the world index, or compare yourself to your industry. They have a wide range of different surveys covering topics such as business agility psychological safety devops employee engagement and many more what makes these surveys so valuable is that they've been written by respected thought leaders who are experts in their field such as mike cohen from the world of agile all the way through to dr amy edmondson so whether you're a coach team manager or a transformational leader be sure to check out comparative agility to help implement a culture of continuous improvement best of all You can test drive the platform completely free. To find out more, check out the link in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, when I have these conversations, like I'll walk away with three or four really big ideas that can then help inspire me and help me get better at a certain thing. And so selfishly, I think it's for my own learning, really. But It's great that I can share this with other people because they hopefully will help somebody out there as well. Uh, so I think that's the thing that really drives me. So Eric, what's next for you? What's the future hold for you and your podcast and in terms of habits, I mean, what habits do you think you still need to form that you haven't?
0: So I would say like any good practitioner of productivity at times there are things that work and then and they work for a season and then they don't and so we're recording this in early 2023 we've just come out of late 2022 and one of the things that i like to do is not record a lot at the end of the year because i like to kind of kind of just coast a little bit and like there's lots of people it drives me nuts sometimes when i'm working somewhere and they say all right let's hit the ground hard let's clear all these let's like cross all these things off the list and close the year out strong and and i'm like Closing the year out strong for me means closing it out in like November or even late October, mid-November. I like to have some time to rest, relax, rejuvenate, recharge that I'm not constantly on. So that said, I try to do that, especially with the show specifically. But that means then I've got to, you know, you, you want to kind of have some January episodes in the can. So that when you come back in January, you've got a runway to start recording February, March. The other thing that I kind of realized was over time I was getting, and you probably do this, you probably, a lot of podcasters probably get this, where they get pitched. And I don't want to talk about this as like a pain, but you get a lot of people, hey, I'd like to be on your show, or I have got a person that'd be great for your show. And you get so many of those consistently that maybe you get a little lazy. And not in a good way, but in the bad way, where it's like, well, people are coming to me that want to be on, and I'm just gonna pick from those. And I decided, no, you know what, I'm gonna have some big goals of bigger names, people I really want to talk to, and start creating that list. So that's what I've done. And I've started to do that reach out again that, you know, I've done a couple of different times, right at the beginning, when I got David Allen within the first couple of months of my show, just by asking and getting the yes, that was <laughs> amazing. But yeah, just kind of being intentional and blocking that time out and to do the research find the people or even just come up and just dream again and start you know reaching out to those you know bucket list people so
1: oh that's phenomenal i'd love some advice on that actually eric how do you persuade some of the big names to come on your show
0: yeah well here's the thing so here's the trick for me (laughs) with david it was easy i just decided this is going to be a long haul ask. I'm going to ask over and over until he, get, he says yes. And I'm <laughs> going to be persistent with it. But I didn't have to because I reached out through the contact on his site. And within 24 hours, his wife wrote back and said, he'd love to do it. How about this day at this time? And I said, yes, I will make that work. I didn't care when it was. I got my yes. I just need to make it work, clear the schedule. So that one was easy. Had he said no or not yet then the backup plan is, okay, well, I heard back from him in, let's take a guess here, October. I think I asked in October and it was scheduled for November. If in that October I had heard a no, then I'm already going to create a follow-up note on my calendar as to, okay, don't ask too soon, but give it some time and see if you can't come up with some other reason or, you know, pitch that makes sense and be consistent about it. I really think it takes Go to them or study them. Look at what they're doing and why you feel excited about it. And don't just create a bullet list, but like say, I'd love to talk to you about this and see if you can't come up with like, in other words, here's my secret sauce. I'm just going to go ahead and give it away. I will listen to people that I want on my show and their appearances on other shows. And what I'll then do is say, ooh, that they asked them a great question. But I've got a great follow-up question that person did not ask. And so try to convey some of that intention or deeper thinking beyond what they already have talked about with their talking points for their new book or whatever. By the way, that's another key piece. You can get people that are pitching their book. They, I mean, you kind of get that season where you see, I mean, we brought up James Clear a couple of times. James Clear was on a ton of podcasts when his book came out. So you want to get ahead and notice when somebody's next book is going to come out, whether you follow them on Amazon and Amazon sends you an email months in advance and you just go to their site and then say, hey, I see you're coming out with this. I'd love to talk to you about it. You know, that's when they're going to make a whole bunch of time on their schedule. So. Yeah. And
1: is there anyone that you really want to get on your show that you haven't been able to?
0: <laughs> I'll tell the story of Seth Godin. I have emailed with him. And he's, I've always kind of been at the wrong place, wrong time where either the book he was doing didn't really necessarily make sense. So I didn't ask at the time, or I wasn't connected enough to follow and see when a book was coming out in time to make it work. And his window was shut, but I would ask and, uh, and essentially, you know, he would reply and he would say nicely, thank you so much. I would love to, but not at this time. And so And at this point, I kind of haven't really pursued it for a couple of years just because he hasn't come up with something new that I think, I you know, I have something worthwhile to ask about or him to say, but that's not to say that it won't happen or I wouldn't try again.
1: Oh, yeah. He's absolute legend, isn't he? So yeah, Yeah. that would be phenomenal. I think for me, the one, well, there's loads that I would love to get on that I haven't even approached or I probably don't think I would be able to get on, but. Robert Cialdini, the yeah. author of Influence. Like, I just love his book. And he's the type of guy you think, he's like the king of influence. Now, how do I influence him to come on my podcast? <laughs> I was like thinking well, about again, this.
0: again, do the homework. And you know what? I don't know that I've seen him out there talking on lots of podcasts right now. So it's really about saying, okay, you know, wh- how can you present yourself as new- unique and not have it be this, you know, tome of a long red email, shorter and sweeter is always better. And you just say, Hey, love your work. Love what you do. I do this show and I'd love to record with you. Here are some of the things that I think could make a really interesting conversation. You have a bullet list of three to five things, but you say like topic and then dash, and then like explain, like, I love how you put it this way. Would love to branch off that and go into this direction with it. And these, I'm talking vague because, you know, it's going to, you got to tailor this to every person, but like, that's how I would approach it. That's how I do approach it. When I reach out to people.
1: Got it. Well, Eric, thank you so much for sharing your secret sauce. And I think, although, you know, we're thinking about building habits, I mean, this is for me, absolutely related because one of the things we need to get better at sometimes is dealing with rejection. And so that's what I've learned with this podcasting process is, if I get that rejection, then try not to get disheartened. It's nothing personal. If the person's too busy, like Seth, he's too busy right now, then I'm sure we'll find another time. So, Eric, we've unfortunately run out of time. I want to absolutely thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show and uh, sharing your insights. And as I mentioned right at the start, it's been an absolute honor. I'm a big fan of yours, as you can tell. Just keep inspiring because that's what you've done for me. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. And thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to join anybody on their show because it means they selected me and I don't take that lightly. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome.